Israel to see some shepherds. We were up on a mountain looking off uh, into another country and you would see these big patches of sheep. And there would be a shepherd that would either be behind them or in front of them and he would be leading them and they'd have those dogs running around trying to, to keep them in order and we see on TV that. But thinking of a shepherd and what the shepherd's responsibility is really brings a, a whole new meaning to seeing the shepherds with the sheep. We know that King David was a shepherd uh, we know that Jesus is called the shepherd, and we hear of the shepherds that were out at night watching the flock when Jesus was born, and the angels came and brought them the good news. A shepherd isn't one that punches the clock at 8 o'clock and goes home at 5. A shepherd's not one that maybe works at the bank, as they used to say, and clock on at 10 and go home at 2 with an hour and a half lunch break in there. A shepherd's responsibility is to look after those sheep 24-7. That's their responsibility. Their, for some, their life depended upon it because there's a, a hired shepherd that was responsible for protecting those sheep at all costs. He was to protect them from the wolves or the bears or the lions coming and trying to take the sheep. If you were a family and watching sheep, that was your livelihood. That was, you would sell sheep and make money, or you would bring sheep for wool, or you would slaughter the sheep to put food on your table. So as a shepherd, it's not something that's taken lightly, and there were those that would do that, and that was their responsibility, was to protect and to guard the shepherd, or the sheep. And I love God's word as it talks about our shepherd. You know, we have a shepherd and his is responsible for us. We can turn in the book of Psalm to the 23rd Psalm. Many of you know that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No probably greater statement than that right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As a shepherd, his responsibility is to protect, to provide for everything that sheep needs. He's there. We hear of the shepherd going in and counting the sheep to make sure they're all there. And to uh, that same Psalm 23 talks about anointing the head and putting oil on and protecting. Our shepherd is just like that for us. And I want to look at three aspects tonight of our shepherd and what he is for us. The first thing I want to notice you to notice is he's the good shepherd. Amen. We don't have a bad shepherd that's out there beating down on us. He, he understands that we're going to go astray. You know, a good shepherd understands when he's walking his flock from place to place that they're stupid animals. And they like to wander off, to wander off. You know, sometimes we like to wander off, but the good shepherd brings the sheep back and keeps them together. That's what God does for us. He's a, a good shepherd. If you have your Bibles tonight, open them to the gospel according to John chapter 10. 
And once you've turned there, if you will say amen so that I know everyone is there. John chapter 10, then move your fingers down to verse 10. And listen to the words of Jesus. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay, my, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. We have a good shepherd. Amen. This good shepherd for us wants to give us abundant life. How many of you want abundant life? Amen. We don't want to just live life mediocre. We don't just want to be here. We want to live abundantly. And that's what our good shepherd wants for us. Look there in your Bibles at verse 10. It says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief, the devil, comes and all he wants to do is wreak havoc in your life. He is the father of lies and he wants to tell you how great it can be if you only follow him. You know, I heard someone talking just today or the other day about the devil. And many of us, when I say devil, probably all picture the same thing. This little red man with some horns and a tail and a pitchfork. The devil is nothing like that. The devil comes in disguise. The devil wants to squander our life. He wants to steal everything we have. But our good shepherd comes so that we can have abundant life. He cares about us. He wants us to live life to the fullest. He wants us to have life and church in Christ as believers. When we stay in his will, we have more than an abundance of life. We have everything we need. Not only does the good shepherd want us to have abundant life, but he protects life. And I'm so glad because when I get tempted when the devil attacks me, I need that shepherd there. I'll tell you, just this morning when I opened up and I wanted to begin my quiet time, I was bombarded 
by the devil. It was a struggle that I had to fight through. I finally just had to stop everything. And I, I prayed to God the best I could with the devil. Just It amazes me how even when you're trying to pray, he's right there just speaking. I finally said, Lord, the only thing I can do is turn to your word. I picked up his word and I began reading until my mind was able to focus on him. He protects us. There at verse 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If we go to what a shepherd's job is at nighttime, there would be a cave or some form of a pen that the shepherd would lead all the sheep into, and there was an open doorway. And do you know how the shepherd kept the sheep in and the wolves out? He laid down in front of the opening. Nothing would get to his sheep without passing by him first. Our heavenly father, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ laid his life down for us on the cross ultimately, but he is that barrier and nothing can come to us if we're in the pen without going through him. Why do I say that? We can easily, even as believers, take ourselves from within God's will to the outside and he can't protect us. We've got to be where he puts us. And his son, the good shepherd, lays that life down for us. He's willing for whatever is necessary to protect you and to protect I. And the greatest thing was laying his life down, as we may say, on the cross so that his blood could cleanse us and protect us and to restore us. But you know, the Another part about the good shepherd isn't just the abundant life or that he protects us, but he knows us. Amen. Our good shepherd knows each and every one of us individually. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows who we are. Look at verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. You know, I've worked with people that didn't necessarily know who you were. You ever work in a corporate office and people at corporate, all they know is you're a number. And I've worked with people who would become involved and active and know you personally. And it makes a difference. You know, for a good shepherd to want to give you abundant life and protect you, he's got to know you. He cares about you. And it says that we know him too. He's not off some far distant lamb. Amen. Our good shepherd, yes, he is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, but he's here with us as well in the Holy Spirit. He's not some distant God. He knows us and we know him. Not only is the shepherd the good shepherd, But he's better than that. He's the great shepherd. Let's just move it up a little bit. He's the great shepherd. Let's look at Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 20. He 
Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing to his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The great shepherd, what makes him so great? Why he did die on the cross. He is a living shepherd. Jesus Christ is alive and active today. I know you've heard me say this. Any other religion, <coughs> any other person who has ever claimed to be anything in the past has died and gone into a grave somewhere and they are still there today. But the great shepherd defeated death and rose and he is alive today. And what makes him so great as a living shepherd is he can still be there for us. He is still working in our lives today. (laughs) Verse 20 said, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even Jesus our Lord he defeated death that makes him great because when we're in him we've been able to defeat death because of what he's done for us he has also provided the blood covenant there still in verse 20 says now the god of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even jesus our lord we've heard of making covenants we sign marriage covenants today we sign contracts today but so often people will sign a contract and then when they change their mind they want to go to court and reverse the contract You go and you buy a car, you sign saying that you're going to provide the funds, they're going to provide you the car, and then some people just decide they don't want to pay for it anymore. The great shepherd's not like that. He said, I love you. I want to be your shepherd, and I'm going to provide restoration between your sinful, wretched nature and make you holy and righteous before a pure and holy God, and I'm going to do it with my blood. I'm going to give my life for you, and there was a blood covenant of the eternal covenant that when we become born-again believers, we are secure in Christ, and we have promise of all eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just a good shepherd. He's a great shepherd willing to shed his blood to make the covenant permanent. You know, they had the Old Testament covenant, the old covenant, the old laws. We talked about this Sunday where you have to sacrifice an animal up on the altar and you would shed some blood and they would do this every time they sinned. And then they would come together once a year for the big um, day of atonement where they would sacrifice for the, the sins that were not necessarily known. And the blood was shed, but the great shepherd was the perfect one and he only had to shed his blood once and for all the great shepherd doesn't just save us to be knots on the log he has a plan for us he wants to use us can you imagine 
the good shepherd wanting to use you in his ministry? Well, you know, when the good shepherd called me, I was a little rusty. Maybe we'd say a little dirty. I wasn't ready for what he wanted for me. But because he's a good shepherd, he equips us. Look there at verse 21. It said, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He has a plan, and he's going to take us rough pieces of coal, and he's going to begin to equip us and knock off the rough edges when we allow him to work in our life. He equips us to do every good thing. Remember the Devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The good shepherd come to give you abundant life. Well, part of that is being used by him in what is pleasing in his sight. It's what we've got to understand. What God equips me for and what God equips you for might be different things. What God equips us for isn't necessarily what we want to be equipped for. We're equipped for what he wants us to do. And he's going to use us, but he's going to equip us to do what he wants to do so that glory can be brought to him. Now, here we go. I told you earlier, if you're within the pen, the shepherd can lay his life down and protect you. He wants to equip us, but if we refuse to allow him to equip us, and we refuse to allow him to use us, then we're refusing him the glory. It's not our glory. You know, some people say, well, look at how God equipped him. Man, isn't he a great man? Look at the mighty things he's doing. Well, you know, God called me to, to do this, and it's just, there's nothing there. Baloney. What God is equipping you to do is to bring glory to him and not glory to you. Why does he have to equip us? Because God is going to call us to do something greater than we can do in our own flesh. You remember when um, they went down and the big army was going to fight and God said, any of you scared, go home, and a bunch of them left. And then God said, you still got too many? Go down to the water. And God got them down to just a few number. And those few won the battle against the many. Why? God used them. God equipped them. God did it in a way that God gets the glory. But not only do we have the good shepherd, and not only do we have the great shepherd, but how about the chief shepherd amen the chief shepherd let's turn over to first peter just a few pages to your right first peter chapter five say amen when you're there first peter chapter five let's start verse one therefore i exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. The chief shepherd. He gives us earthly shepherds. All of us in this room have the understanding of exactly who Jesus Christ is. He's the Lord and Savior of our life. But we also are flesh. And we're created within us, number one, for an an innate desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we are also formed to have a relationship with other people. And we like people with flesh and blood. We don't like people. Well, we do like people, but we like that we can't see. But we like those that are here. God provides for us earthly shepherds. Who are earthly shepherds? They're the pastors of churches. God has called men to come and to step in the gap for a local congregation of people we will call sheep. Earlier, remember, Jesus was talking to a set group of people, and he said, I have other sheep, and they will come along. There are churches all around that have local shepherds over those churches. And one day when Christ returns and takes us all home, then the whole flock will be together and he will be the chief shepherd. He gives pastors the responsibility of being an example of who he is. And let me tell you, church, that's a scary thought when that's put on your shoulders. My responsibility as pastor is to be a reflected image of who Christ is. I am to protect my sheep. I am to look out for y'all. I am to lead. I am to bring you a, a fresh message and to equip you to do his work. Verse 2 there says that shepherd the flock among you, or shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight over them. Not compulsion, be voluntary according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. But not only does the chief shepherd have what we might could say under shepherds, but he's also the chief shepherd because he is returning for us. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Our chief shepherd is sitting there at the right hand of God, sitting as a symbol that his work was completed on the cross. But if you can give me a little bit of leeway, I could almost say I see Jesus, the chief shepherd, sitting at the right hand of God, but he's on the very edge of his seat. He's ready. He's just waiting for God to say, go get your sheep. He wants us to be with him. 
He's protecting us. He's watching us. He's provided the way he's equipping and he is waiting for the day that he can come again. And we have that promise through the blood covenant that the chief shepherd is returning for us. And not only that, he gives glory. Amen. Verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. He's talking here to those elders, to those pastors and saying that one day the chief shepherd shepherd's going to come, and when you've done your work, you're going to receive a crown of glory. But I believe he also, through Scripture, tells us that Jesus is going to give us crowns according to what we've done. You see, he's the chief. He is the top dog under the Father. But as far as our protection, he is that chief, and he's going to come one day, draw us all together. And he's going to give us glory. Looking forward to the day, church, that myself and you can stand before the Father and he can look at us with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Why the shepherd? Don't throw the tomatoes, but follow me here. We some stupid people sometimes. We're sheep. I'm not saying you're stupid intellectually. Don't don't take me wrong there and go out and say a pastor call us all stupid in church. But God, through all of history, from the very beginning of creation, has poured out his glory before us. He has shown his love for us. And how often do we stray from that love. The love of the world sometimes seems to grow a little brighter. But we have a shepherd and he doesn't leave us out there long. See if I can. You see that shepherd, a kind of black silhouette there? What's that in his hand? A staff? It's got a, a crook on it. You know what that's for? He walks along, and when those silly sheep stray, when they stray enough that maybe they fell off the edge of the mountain because they got a rocky terrain, and he's down in a crack somewhere, he can take that, and he just gently reaches over and pulls them back. Maybe he's got to reach down and pull them out of that crack. And you know, when he does, and he has to anoint him with oil, remember 23rd Psalm, and an anointment to refresh them. That's what our shepherd does to us as we walk through life. Let me tell you what, I hope none of you fall off the path because he might not be there because he's with me, all right? He's with us all, all the time. That's the kind of shepherd we have, but he's always there with me. Just take that and just kind of drag you back on course. We have a good shepherd. We have a great shepherd And ours is the chief shepherd. The shepherd of life is who we have. I love God's word to paint these beautiful pictures and to show us, you know, how sad it would be that if we did not have a written copy of God's word, do you know the shepherd would still be the good shepherd? The shepherd would still be the great shepherd. The shepherd would still be the chief shepherd. 
But God loves us enough that he wanted us to know that shepherd. He wanted us to know that he's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And he gives us that right here. What a shepherd that we have that loves us enough. The greatest thing he could ever do was to lay his life down and protect us. Let me bow your heads.